के हुए you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it's time now for part four in our top 45 albums of 2002 countdown. On this episode, we're going to count down albums number 15 through 6. We head on into part five, which I will feature double shots from the top five albums of 2002. But before all that, we've got a bunch of really good records to get to here. So let's get to it. Coming in at number 15 right here is an album that I don't think I ever heard a single song off of prior to doing this particular countdown, with the exception of the clips that I heard on a recent Cobras and Fire episode. There's that name again. And not that I wasn't going to listen to this in consideration for the best albums of 2002, but maybe a little bit of influence there from LC and Aaron Camara right there. They did a whole episode based on the greatness of this band. And I got to say, they did a pretty convincing job. And I went into this album with definitely more of an open ear because of it. But also, man, this album just rocks. So this album came out on March 5th of 2002 produced by super producer Jack Douglas. So that definitely explains my whole explanation of, man, this sounds like a killer rock and roll album. Nice, loud, and song-oriented. So makes for a good album for me. I'm talking about the fourth album by Local H. The album is called Here Comes the Zoo. And if you're going to try to describe this album or band for people that don't know a whole lot about them, 
I would say it's honestly more of a pop and song-oriented version of Nirvana. That's where I put it. They are a power duo. All they need is two people in this band, and they come up with this huge, fat sound. And this song I'm choosing to play to represent the album and to kick off this episode is now one of my absolute favorite songs of 2002. So thanks, guys. So to open up the show, here's Local H with Rock and Roll Professionals.
kicking off the show here today in fine, loud fashion with Rock and Roll Professionals by Local H. Yeah, a surprise to me as well, but yeah, the number 15 album here of 2002, according to me. And we're moving on to album number 14 with a band that turns up quite a bit on these countdowns, so they must be one of my favorite bands. And speaking of super producers, that last album being produced by Jack Douglas, another strong name in the realm of great rock producers, Andy Johns produced this one right here talking about la guns yes la guns had a record out in 2002 it was their eighth record and really coming in here at the end of an era for the band this would be tracy guns last la guns record for 15 straight years he'd go on to do some other projects then he'd start touring under his version of la guns and then it gets really interesting but i'm not going to go into all that right now that's an episode for another time but yes, still putting out consistent sounding records from my year all the way up to 2002. And really the only big difference, uh, there was a little bit of a lineup change going into this record. They welcomed in bass player Adam Hamilton. But other than that, it's still Tracy, Phil Lewis on vocals, and Steve Riley on drums. So it's got a classic enough sound. And this song I'm going to play right here, I mean, you would not guess 2002, but that just goes to show you how consistent their sound is for sure and once again i am a sucker for an la guns ballad and this countdown will be no exception so to represent this album right here that came out on august 20th of 2002 called waking the dead this song is just simply called the ballad
seriously though, does any band of that particular ilk do a better ballad than LA Guns? I think not, really. If you line up any of the other bands from the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles in the 80s, nobody does it better than LA Guns. That's my opinion, but I feel like it's an absolute truth. But if you want to debate me on this, I'm open. Let's do it. But yes, LA Guns with the ballad from Waking the Dead, their album from 2002, which comes in here at number 14. And coming in here at lucky number 13 is this band right here. And lucky for them, with absolute tongue-in-cheek right here. But for real, for real, this is the album that turned me on to this band, finally. They had probably wanted my ear at some point, but I felt like maybe I was a little too old for these guys, even though I hadn't even reached my mid-20s in 2002. I thought this band might have been a little too juvenile for old Joey over here, but... That soon went away with the release of this album right here. This band's second full-length album called Does This Look Infected? And yes, I'm talking about Some 41. This album came out on November 26, 2002, produced by Grieg Nori. And any of the times that I've played Some 41, almost like just because of the way they came out of the gate, the whole pop-punk thing, you kind of have to almost defend your fandom of this band because... It's like, no, they are not the pop-punk band that you think they are. They've got a lot of great elements of a lot of different kinds of rock and roll in them. Of course, heavy metal, traditional punk, all that kind of stuff. But they can also write a tune when they want to. So I'm a fan of Sum 41, and once again, saw them live this last year, and they were great. So good. you got to see them live. And they still play a good handful of songs off of this record, because it's a very good and important record for them. Maybe you saw that video where they're making fun of the the bands calling themselves The Sums, with Still Waiting, the big single off of that. But if you stuck around for the second single, you get that really fun, cheaply made action figure video, which definitely appeals to my heart. So that's going to be the song I choose to play off of this record. Just in case you haven't heard this one, this is another one that lets you know that they're not playing around anymore. They're, they're merely just playing with action figures now. So, yes, here you go. From Does This Look Infected, this is Sum 41 with The Hell Song. Things you've been through I feel I've come to realize 
does the same thing to you It's just a matter how you solve them But what else are we supposed to do? Sum 41 right there with the Hell Song from their album Does This, Look Infected, our number 13 record. And now onto number 12 right here. This was going to be a tough follow-up record in my eyes, and I'm sure in the eyes and ears of a lot of fans. But they came out with a pretty good record as a follow-up. I will say for sure not as good as the previous album. And honestly, this is a record that doesn't get a lot of play from me. And that's really merely because it's such a long record. This is an hour and a half record. It's a double CD of all new material. Talking about, who who else could I be talking about? But Dream Theater, their album Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence came out January 29th, 2002. Self-produced, mainly produced by John Petrucci and Mike Portnoy from the band. And it's not Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory Great, but... It is a absolute respectable follow-up in the sense that it doesn't really have anything I can complain about so much. It's got all the things you would expect from this band, and I always enjoy listening to it when I hear it. And it's not that often, which is probably why it only comes in here at number 12. But that's still really good. So I don't want to hear any complaints, okay? Yes. And I gotta say, upon the very first listen I ever had for this record, I was like, this is a damn good song. I think this is one of the best dream theater songs ever and it's a bit of a long one it's almost 10 minutes but i feel the need and i feel very compelled to play this song for you right here i don't know if i've ever played on the show i might have played this once because i like it so much but i'm playing it here again because i can't do my own personal 2002 wrap-up without playing it so here's dream theater with misunderstood Depths 
I definitely feel the need to point something like this out to everybody listening. I've always talked about on these countdowns how I do use Wikipedia when it comes to just getting that little window, as I call it, the release window with all the notes where it's got the release date on it, which is supposed to be accurate, and then the producer... It just makes it way easier for me just to dial it in between each entry without having to do the longhand thing. And I don't typically recommend Wikipedia as learning everything you would need to know about a record, but there are some exceptions. And I'm sure there's already books written about the Dream Theater discography, but it's not the worst idea in the world to go on Wikipedia if you're trying to learn a lot about each Dream Theater album because the psychopaths that edit those pages definitely are very next level also this is probably one of the nerdiest facts i will ever read on the show but also kind of hating in the sense of i'm I'm jealous as to the abilities of a guy like a john petrucci so the background on that song there misunderstood it says john petrucci wrote and played the guitar solo and then reversed it he then learned how to play this reversed version and he tries to mimic the reversed version live with effects (laughs) That's that's ridiculous. That That is too good, I will say. Much respect. John's an amazing guitar player. There's a reason why a guy like that can just go out on tour by himself, basically, and people still show up, even though it's not with Dream Theater. So, respect. Also, it goes on to say, you should definitely not buy Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence by Dream Theater on cassette because they actually edit Misunderstood on the cassette version. So, fuck that cassette version. Don't get that. If you're going to get it, of course, get it on CD. Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence by Dream Theater right there. Okay, so here's another band that I didn't think that this album was as good as the previous album, yet it still did really well here on this countdown. So go figure. Maybe that's a commentary on the year 2002, but you've heard all these other songs so far. These have been good records. So so I guess it's one of those things where it's like an eight or eight and a half on a 10 scale versus the nines or nine and a half they put down the previous time. I don't know. But I do know that coming in at number 11 right here is Wasp. Yeah. This album's called Dying for the World. I think it was inspired by 9-11, if I had to guess. A lot of these albums and song titles kind of reflect that, because it's the times now at this point. But yes, this album came out June 11, 2002, just a little bit over a year after Unholy Terror, which you heard it on the previous 2001 countdown. That one did really well. I don't even know if it ranked as high as this one did, but I do like Unholy Terror more than Dying for the World, for the record. But this is a damn good listen. Yeah, this whole comeback era of Wasp, I'm really digging it. I'm happy to relive all this stuff, so let's keep it going, guys. Let's keep it going. So this album was self-produced. It's the same lineup as Unholy Terror, which makes sense because it sounds like an absolute brother-sister kind of sequel And once again, you got the great Frankie Benali on drums here, as Frankie, I think, has been the drummer on more Wasp albums than anybody, if I had to guess. And he's the man, so rest in peace, Frankie. As most Wasp albums are, even if they're a little heavy-handed at times, it just has that great classic sound that I'm always looking for. I don't know if you really deviate a lot from this sound, but I just love that he has such a signature type of sound. But enough about the sound. Let's get to the actual song. From Dying from the World, this is Wasp with Hell for Eternity.
Christian era of Blackie Lawless, especially when it comes to the music of Wasp, which was always revered as one of the most satanic bands of the 80s. But I dig the fact that he didn't change his sound in any way, even though he changed personal philosophies. So he gets a pass for that reason. But you can clearly tell by the lyrics there, that song has to be about the terrorists of 9-11. I mean, how is it not? But talking about biblical type stuff obviously they were doing it in the name of their holy scripture and blackie is now saying that they will not see heaven they will see hell for their actions 
So a lot of that Holy War type stuff going on on this particular record, of course, because like I said, it's in the air. But just something that came to mind, because obviously I just heard the song like you did and it was on the brain. Yes, that was Hell for Eternity by Wasp from Dying for the World. We come over here and crack the top 10 with this band. And if you were paying attention during the odds and ends of 2002, then you would know this band is on the horizon with their debut album. I had played something from their launch EP. Now we've got their full length here on this show. This album came out on July 29th, 2002, produced by, actually it was produced by the lead singer of the Lightning Seeds, Ian Broody, and the band's name is The Coral. I laid a lot of track about this band on the odds and ends, so I won't bore you again with the same talk. I will just say, if you like that post-British invasion style of cool psychedelic rock from the late 60s that the UK was putting out, then you should definitely give The Coral a chance. I'm going to play something that definitely leans on that kind of a vibe with this one right here from their self-titled debut album and coming in at number 10 this is the choral with goodbye
Goodbye right there by the choral, ironically, from their debut album. The biggest endorsement I can give this record is if it had come out sometime in the 60s there, as I referenced, it for sure would have been on the playlist of every underground radio station out there, whether it be FM Underground on the West Coast, East Coast, or of course, all the way out at Pirate Radio Land. This definitely would have been a favorite band amongst all those types of hipster DJs right there. Yeah, it's just got a great authentic sound. All their records have that great authentic sound, and they got a lot of albums to check out. So do yourself a favor, get into the choral. The thing I'm really digging about my top 10 that I have lined up here for you is it is a truthful and honest top 10 from the year 2002 that I personally experienced, with only one exception. But that'll come later on the next episode. But I just like, these are definitely the most listened to albums that I had in 2002. They're all here in the top 10. So obviously there's a lot of nostalgia that I have for these records. But like I said, I just looked at it. I just kind of stepped back for a second. I was like, man, these are my favorite records of 2002. So so I'm just really happy to bring these to you. And I mean that. So as we continue on, coming in at album number nine here is one of the all-time icons for sure and a guy who is very missed in the rock world and just in the music world in general it's mr david bowie his 23rd yes his 23rd studio album is called heathen it came out june 10th 2002 self-produced but also co-produced by one of his longtime associates tony visconti he was back in the fold i believe as of this record and to this day Tony is the guy who is minding the store, if you will, when it comes to the Bowie archives. So all those great Bowie box sets and things that are coming out of the vault, those are all being 100% handled by Tony and his crew. And he does a great job. He does this catalog justice. It's just nice to see a guy that would understand this is how David would want it and not having to second guess much, much of anything, honestly. And so, yeah, just kind of a sidebar but yeah i'm just glad that he's in that fold still this album heathen right here once again just talking about the times we're in people got a 9-11 vibe off this record and the first track on it would lead you to believe it this is what the record's going to be about and david was living in new york city at this time so he experienced it you know very firsthand on on the scene like a lot of other people did but supposedly, according to him, this album was done before 9-11, so he didn't change one lyric on the album, according to him. So it's not a 9-11 record, but people did lean on it as such. And not that it was that much different from ours, but I think it's one of those things where just because of what's going on in the world and the fact that people do judge books by their cover. People judge albums by their album covers. And so ours definitely had a brighter look to it, and this one's a little more dire. He looks very robotic on the cover, so people are going to immediately think it's a cold, dark thing. And a lot of the record is that, but there's a lot of stuff on here to really love. And if you're just looking for good basic rock, you'll find that on here as well. Of course, some of the great epic Bowie ballads. It is absolutely one of the best examples of modern Bowie that you should definitely give a listen to. And Not that this would be anything that David would brag about like in interviews or anything, but people would always line up to perform with him, whether it be on record or on stage. And this album's no exception either. You got Pete Townsend showing up on one of the tracks. Uh, I believe it was Slow Burn. And Pete had played on some Bowie records in the early 80s. I think he actually played on 
the Scary Monsters record, if I have that right. Maybe something else at some point. But yeah, he's on here. And how about this? Someone that you heard earlier on the countdown here on this particular episode, Jordan Rudis of Dream Theater actually has a keyboard credit on this record as well. I'm not sure what song it is, but he's definitely on the record. Tony Levin, of course, who played on multiple Bowie records. Carlos Alomar is back. So there's a lot of familiar people on here as well. Nice little mix. And then you have this guy right here who people love to hate this guy because he's everywhere and he gets invited to everything. But come on, man. If Bowie's asking you to be on a record, are you really going to say no? So, hey, come on. Who's the name of this drummer, you ask? Well, I'm not going to say, just so you cannot prejudge the song. I, I think I've given enough away. But let's just play the track right here. One of my favorite songs off of Heathen. This is David Bowie with I've Been Waiting For You.
David Bowie right there with I've Been Waiting For You, featuring Dave Grohl on the drums right there. As if you couldn't tell and as if my hint didn't give it away, yes, that was Dave Grohl on the drums. And I kind of just let you listen to that song, and I prefaced it with it being one of my favorite songs on Heathen. And that's true. At the time when I heard it, I had no idea that song was actually a cover. It's a Neil Young cover going all the way back to the first Neil Young album. Now, I'm not a big Neil Young fan or authority, but I do dig the guy as far as what he stands for and his approach and everything like that. And he's always been a fun guy to follow. But yeah, I had no clue that that was a Neil Young song. That definitely rocks, for sure. And there's two other covers on Heathen. One of them being Cactus, a Pixie song, which I didn't know at the time was a Pixie song. And I'm sure I read the credits at some point upon one of the initial listens, and I recognized it being, oh, okay, yeah, that's got to be a Pixie song. And he covers a song by a guy called the Legendary Stardust Cowboy, which he finally paid him back. Uh, this guy from Texas, this cult artist, who David stole some of the Ziggy Stardust character from this guy's old persona. So nice way of paying him back, paying a little bit of homage and tribute to this guy. So that's kind of neat. I mentioned Dave Grohl, of course, played on that last track. Most of the drums on that album were handled by Matt Chamberlain, who you may know from being in Pearl Jam back in the day. Once again, a lot of people want to be on a David Bowie record, and can we really blame them? No, we cannot. All right. Album number eight right here. We're getting close. We're getting so close. And once again, another record I just listened to a ton of, and I still do to this day. This band's 14th studio album. Not quite the big number that Bowie pulled right there, but 14. That's a lot of records. This album came out on April 16th of 2002, produced by Toshi Kasai. And this is a band that definitely is... I don't know a lot of bands that are as love it or hate it as the Melvins have been throughout their career. And I don't know if they would have it any other way, but that's the way it's been. And for a band that is very divisive in a sense. Sometimes it's hard to be like, oh yes, that new album they have out is real good, you should get it. And it happens every now and then with the Melvins, but this is definitely one of those albums I would put in front of people and say, this is a great idea of what the band's all about when they're at their best. This album right here, Hostile Ambient Takeover, love everything about this album, saw the tour, the whole deal. So for that reason, I think uh, Kevin Rutmanis, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Kevin from the Cows. It's my favorite trio lineup of the Melvins right here. This album for me is up there with their Atlantic trilogy, which I back all those records. Stoner Witch, Houdini, Stag, all great. And this is another one. Like I said, top five Melvins albums of all time right here. Hostile Ambient Takeover. And also there's a little bit of a cameo on a really standout track on this record called The Fool, The Meddling Idiot where Adam Jones from Tool shows up, does a little keyboard and vocoder track at the end of the song. It's a crazy fun song, and I do recommend checking that out as well, like I do this whole record for the most part. Uh, the only real downer part to me is the last part of the record. It's this really overtly long 15-minute track that's very Melvin's, but it kind of brings the album down for me. It's fine, though. It's one of those crawl jams, as I like to call it. But let's do the thing that I teased on a previous episode. I'm going to finally make it happen here on the countdown. Let's do the instrumental. It's the Brain Center at Whipples.
an absolute peak performance right there bringing the rock as hard as you can get it and as good as you can get it right there melvin's with the instrumental brain center at whipples if you don't get that reference you should i'm gonna be real snobby about it no that that song is actually named after a very classic and still a very biting commentary type episode of the twilight zone you should go check out that entire original series if you've never seen it and check out that melvin's record hostile ambient takeover that is their yyz for sure that thing rules i love when they get to that cymbal roll right in the middle and they break it down and they go right back in the guitar hits like this air raid siren like just all the loud and just great just so goddamn good buzz is very underrated as a guitar player as a riff meister i definitely put him easily in the top five riff meisters of all time on the same conversation as a tony iomi or a malcolm young he's just slightly below that he's the man and dale crover one of the absolute greatest drummers to ever do it in any genre that guy is awesome all right i've glommed enough over the melvins let's move over to another band that makes a lot of noise this band right here is considered an offshoot band and and for my money i I talked about this i think very briefly on the odds and ends I had played a Rocket from the Crypt song and it actually wasn't an odd and end, but that's on them because they had a stupid album title that was not a live album. But yes, speaking of Rocket from the Crypt, they're two offshoot bands, Drive Like Yahoo and Hot Snakes. Those bands are so good. If you're into like that good heavy noise type band with a little bit of punk going on too, you gotta get into these bands right here. Hot Snakes coming in at number seven right here of the best albums of 2002 with their sophomore album suicide invoice produced by singer john reese it just rocks it's awesome this album has aged so well like it just came out it's just one of those things these are the kind of records people will be listening to them for decades and they're only going to get more notable as time goes on i think so yeah this is an album you just put on any of the hot snakes albums you just put them on turn up the volume and go that's what it's all about so to represent this album right here suicide invoice by the hot snakes this song is called xox
All right, yes. Some hot snakes for you right there. XOX or Xox. Is that a word? I don't know. It doesn't sound like one to me, but Suicide Invoice is definitely an album, and it's a killer freaking rock and roll album that you should own. Go check that one out. Go check out all the Hot Snakes records. I'm going to dedicate that one and give a belated happy birthday shout out to my buddy Logan, old friend of the show. Miss hanging out with you, man. Hope you're doing well. You got a new job. You're killing it. Good for you, man. Thank you so much for turning me on to those two RFTC offshoot bands. Drive Like Yahoo, Hot Snakes. Never going to forget that, man. You're the man. All right. Album number six, the last song of the night on this particular episode before we get to the top five. Just looking at these last handful of records, anything here in this top ten. I can't believe it's not in the top five. That top five ought to be real good. It's coming in at number six right here. Is this band's fifth full-length studio album after a lot of singles and EPs and stuff like that. This band, when they're around, and I guess they, they're around again, actually, as of this year. A lot of stuff to get into if you haven't yet. By God, if you haven't gotten into this band yet, you have not been paying attention to this show over the last few years. But yes, The Helicopters and their fifth album, By the Grace of God, came out September 18th, 2002, produced by a guy named Chips K is the official name on here. Although I found out his name is actually Chips Keysby, if I have that right. I'm really bad on Swedish names, but I mean, you know, give me a break, okay? But yeah, much like the last two records, I can't get totally deep about it. If you know anything about the helicopters, you know they're just rock and roll personified. Whether you are a big, massive Kiss fan, or Ramones fan, or Black Sabbath fan, or Hanoi fan, or Little Richard fan, you're going to love the helicopters. What have you been doing? One of the greatest rock and roll bands of the modern era, and a band that gave me a lot of hope in the 21st century that things would be okay. I was very heartbroken when they broke up in the late 2000s, but like I mentioned before I brought them up, they're back again as of this year, actively putting out records, so stay tuned. You may just hear about them on the Best of 2022 Countdown. But until then, let's talk about this record here. By the grace of God, it is album number six here on the Countdown. We're definitely way past the point where it's like, I could pick anything off the record, so I just literally threw a dart, and let's go with this one right here. So turn it up for the helicopters. This is Better Than You.
Nick Anderson and the boys right there. The Helicopters with Better Than You from By the Grace of God, the number six album of 2002, according to me, myself, and I, Joey. By God, we are almost there. The next episode will be the top five albums of 2002. Obviously, we're going to be doing double shots of each album, talking a little bit extra in depth about them, or at least I'm going to attempt to. But at the end of the day, it's all about the music. And after we finish that, it'll be time for the big, bad wrap-up. 2022 best of a handful of odds and ends and of course the big top albums countdown i still don't even know how many parts that's going to be still whittling it down but until then stay tuned for my better half nola with the plugs and followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business take it away nola we would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today you can reach us on facebook or twitter we love getting messages and always do our best to respond Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.